0: Hey, this is Keith. I'm the pastor of Blaze Church. Welcome to our podcast. I know today's message is going to inspire you, encourage you, and lead you to know God more. If you want to connect with us, visit us online at blazechurch.org. Enjoy today's message. How's everyone doing? You guys guys watch Full House? Wake up, San Francisco! Just kind of felt like singing that this morning. I'm excited for today, and I've only had about four cups of coffee, so this is pure <laughs> adrenaline. This has nothing to do with caffeine, uh, but it's just—it's going to be a great time together. And uh, we are wrapping up this series, as I as I said, family drama. And on the front end, I'm going to invite you to say some words with me. All right, so we're going to kick this thing off. I want you to say sneaky, sneaky. Greed. greed. Okay, let's say it together. Right, sneaky, sneaky. greed. One more time, so loud that we distract Blaze Kids. Sneaky. Sneaky. Greed. Greed. Awesome. Today we're going to talk about greed. And when we talk about greed and we talk about money, the immediate thought that tends to come into our our heads is, I don't need this. I got this one under control. This is a good day to be in church because he's not talking about me because I know greedy people and I'm not a greedy person. It's so easy for us as as we're going to talk about money, we're going to talk about greed, we're going to talk about stuff, it's easy around this topic for us to just think, I've got this. Pastor, there's no way I'm greedy. I don't have enough money to be greedy. <laughs> like, I live on Long Island. Like, there's no way that this is, is an issue for me. So that's why we said, what were the words? Same with me. Sneaky. Greed. Because greed is really sneaky. I also want to acknowledge on the front end of this that maybe for you, you've held off on coming to church for so long because the last time you were in church, you felt like it was just all about money. Yeah, it's just, I'm not going to bring my friends out. They always talk about money. And now here I am for the next 28 minutes and 23 seconds. I'm going to talk about money, but I want you to just breathe easy this morning, especially if Blaze Church is your church. You know that we have a radically generous culture here, not a radically taking culture. So paired with this message will not be a pass the plate moment. We're not collecting an extra offering. None of that's happening. My prayer for you as your pastor today is that you and I would allow the Holy Spirit to use a magnifying glass, maybe even a flashlight cuz you're going to have to dig down deep and see if there is not sneaky greed in our hearts because greed's sneaky. And all of us at times are susceptible to greed sneaking in. Now I want to share a story with you that just happened in my family this past week. I'm going to try to keep the names of most people anonymous for the protection of those in the household, okay? <laughs> Here we are. So um, a, a member of my, my household found a penny this past week. Now it's a good day when you find any kind of money. And for this member, find a penny. Awesome. Super excited about the penny. Love the penny. Uh, maybe you might even say a little braggy about the penny, just like, "I have a penny. So this caused another member of the household to feel jealous and sad, and how come I don't have a penny?" And you know, possible tears were shed. That's penny. Uh, And so another member of the household wanted to intervene and said, don't worry, I got this, and pulled out a quarter. Family drama, okay? So now one member has a penny, totally content with the penny, loved the penny, until the other member of the household now has a quarter. Now the penny is worthless. How come they have more? This isn't fair. And so I'm just watching this unfold. And finally, I say, it's time for me to step in. So I said, Amy, you are being so childish right now about this penny. Okay, so You have a good laugh. Awesome. So you can figure out who household member what for that. I want you to come back to that moment because that's pretty much the only time that we're going to feel like we're on the same team now laughing together. Because now we're going we're to get serious. We're going to talk about greed. We're going to talk about money. We're going to talk about that thing that wells up in us when we see someone has just even a little bit more than us And suddenly, we're not content with what we have. So we all, I'm sure, we all know what it's like to have family drama stemming from money. In fact, Ramsey Solutions did a study. Dave Ramsey, Financial Peace University. Many of you have been blessed by his teaching, set free from debt by his teaching. We love Dave Ramsey. They did a study and showed that money fights are the number two reason why people get divorced. Right behind infidelity. So just right there, it's all over money. How do spouses navigate money? Okay, now, this is not just for spouses. This is singles. This is everybody. Navigating money is challenging. Navigating it here in this country makes it harder. And I would go so far as to say, because I'm born and raised in Long Island, own a house in Long Island, understand property taxes of Long Island, all of that, here in our context, sometimes it gets even harder because we just look at what we have, what we don't have, what others have. And it's so easy for, what's our word? Same with me, sneaky greed to get into our hearts. So maybe for you, sneaky greed gets in because you actually, you just don't have a lot. And so with the little that you have, it's like, I'm going to hold on to this. I, there's, I, I don't have enough to let anything go. And so you got you got, mar, you got no margin, you've got a budget and and you're trying to navigate how do we, you know, live wisely, good, but has greed possibly snuck, snuck into our hearts? You know, is it, maybe for you, you're married, and you've got one spouse, they're the spender, and you've got the other, that's a saver. You're constantly just reminding the saver, hey, we've got coffee in the cabinet, stop buying lattes, okay? Just, and then all of a sudden, it's like you, you break out into a full business session. Is there sneaky greed? Yeah, we're all trying to navigate this. Maybe for you, you've got the family drama that stemmed from uh, a, a will, right? It, it wasn't clear, or it was clear how things get set. Who gets the house? Who gets the money? No one wants the the dog, so that's not a part of the conversation. Yeah, who who gets this? And you're trying to figure that out. And family members you didn't even know were still around are suddenly around. You're like, whoa, you're here? Like, yeah, because there's money being discussed. Because there's there's stuff now. So. Family drama. Now, here's the thing. Too often, we look at money as the cause of the drama in our households. But I want to show you, money is not the cause of the drama. There's something under the money that's the cause of the drama. Here's how the Apostle Paul puts it. For, he says in 1 Timothy 6.10, For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people, look at this phrase, eager for money, have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Yeah, as I read this, I I literally sat back and just just pushed away from the desk and just thought, wow, there is so much in this verse for us. This is one verse. Notice Paul is not telling Timothy it's money that's the issue. He's telling Timothy there's a love of money that's there. There's, he, he rephrases as eager for money. So the word love of money is this desire for, right? Just wanting more. Eager literally means reaching out and grasping at. So he's saying the problem here is there's this love of money. There's this lack of contentment, wanting more. And notice who he's talking to, believers. Because he says some have actually wandered from the faith. Like this, you, you Christians, we got to come into this for a moment because it's too easy to say, oh yeah, this is an issue that people who don't have Jesus deal with. No, Paul's writing to Pastor Timothy saying people who know him have literally wandered from the faith because of this love of money. And then, look at the words he used. This struck me. He says they pierced themselves with many griefs. We have a Savior who was pierced for us, and yet our love of money, our pursuit of more, could literally be like us piercing ourselves. Now, at this point in the room, there might be many of us that are saying, okay, this is great, and I can't wait to send this to my brother. Oh, he needs this one. Man, I've never shared a sermon before, but this one is getting shared with somebody, because I don't have this issue, pastor. Like, I've got this. So, I want to read to you now the words of Jesus, because here's what Jesus says to all of us, specifically those of us who identify as his followers. He said to them, the them being the disciples, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Why? Because life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. See, Jesus is talking to believers just as Paul was talking to Pastor Timothy about his church. This is is a conversation for those of us who know the love of God. And notice what Jesus says, watch out, be on your guard. He repeats himself. And he never does this with any other issue that you and I might have. He's not, hey, watch out, be on your guard against adultery. Do you know why? Because it's obvious. It's not sneaky. You start to develop feelings for someone you're not married to you you engage with them romantically. You you can see it unfolding in real time. And probably other people see it too. And they're setting up the watch out. Hey, little watch out, be on your guard, man. Jesus doesn't do that with stealing. Watch out. Be on your guard against stealing. Because you and I know when we're stealing, he does it with greed because too often sneaky greed works its way into our hearts. And our two responses are either we dismiss it. as no no, I'm not greedy. I'm just wise. Okay, we'll talk about that in a minute. Or we justify it. We either dismiss it. I don't have an issue with that. It's really not a problem, or we justify the way that we treat money in the pursuit of things. And Jesus is saying, "Watch out. And I love these words: Be on your guard. Be on your guard which means for us today, we are not as a church going to take a passive approach and wait for this issue to sneak in. We're going to be proactive and say, I'm going to be on my guard now so that when sneaky greed tries to get in, I have the tools to identify greed so that family drama is not the result. Does that make sense? So the issue is not money. Come on, you all know this. Mo money, mo thank you. You know that. You, you know that truth. You know that song. You know that principle. So if more money will only create more problems, and if money is not the way that we solve our problems, we have to peel back the layers and realize a lack of money is not contributing to your drama right now. It's the greed associated it that's contributing. And it's way easier to just say, no, 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 if I just had more money, this wouldn't be an issue. If I just had more margin, this wouldn't be an issue. Yeah, speak to so many Long Islanders and I know you do too, that we just think that the solution to our problems is I just got to get off Long Island. If I just get off Long Island and the property taxes are lower and the houses are bigger and everything's better, then I won't have this financial pressure and drama. Okay. Just so you know, if you move, you go where you go. (laughs) Which means sneaky greed goes with you if greed is driving that move. So let me say this, if God is calling you to move or to a new job or to a change in life, follow the call of God in your life. But if you just think that that's gonna solve your money problems, then you are looking to money to be the answer instead of the God who has the solution. And that's what we're gonna discover this morning. Your drama will not be solved by you doing something our drama is going to get solved by us allowing the Holy Spirit to do some some open heart surgery today. To really peel back the layers and say, okay, maybe there's greed here. Maybe, maybe this is driving me. Everyone breathe out with me. This is tense. So let's talk about some other people for the next 15 minutes. We're going to go to the Bible now, okay? So whatever you're dealing with, maybe you you've exce- All right, maybe there's greed here because I don't have enough. Maybe there's greed because I have too much. Okay, let's just table that for the next 15 and let's talk about Two sons that both struggled with greed in Scripture. So we're going to read from Luke. Luke is the third book of the New Testament, the second half of the Bible. If you've got your Bible, go ahead, turn there. If you've got your phone, turn it on and get there, scroll there, and we will have Scripture appear on the screen as well. But I do encourage you, if you own your own Bible, bring it with you on Sundays, and here's why. Because as I'm speaking, I, I promise you the Holy Spirit, with your head down, is going to show you something that you can say, come back to this later. You just put a little, you just do that with your highlighter, or your pen, all right? So, so B-Y-O-B, bring your own Bible. We've got to bring that campaign back up. Luke 15, here's what Jesus says. There was a man who had, and I want you to say this with me, two sons. So maybe you've heard this story told before, and you've heard it as the story of the prodigal son. Who's ever heard that phrase before? Go ahead and raise your hand. Prodigal son, story, uh, hands up everywhere. Right? We've heard the story of the prodigal son, but notice when Jesus tells the story, he says there's a, there's a story of two sons. We're going to see why that matters. The younger son, who we might call the prodigal, said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Now, the word prodigal literally means when you spend your money in a reckless, extravagant way. And so this younger son goes to dad and says, I want what's coming to me. I want my share of the inheritance. What he's saying to his father is I don't want the relationship anymore. I just want your stuff. What he's really saying in this culture is you're going to die eventually. Let's speed up the process, act like you're dead, and give me what's written into the will for me. The audience of Jesus' story would have been appalled at the audacity of this younger son. They would have expected the next line of this story to read, so the father backhanded his son, put him in his place, shunned him from the family, and he got nothing. How dare you disgrace the family like that? But in this story, the father gives the younger son what he wants most. I want you to remember that phrase. He gives the younger son what he wants most, and what he wants most is the father's stuff, not the father. And we read that the son goes off and lives extravagantly. If it was written in 2021, the parable would say the younger son just, he just was trying to find himself. <laughs> he just tried different things. He, he slept around, you know, just, just figuring out who am I supposed to be with? Who am I supposed to be? Explored himself, was just finding himself. And, and we read that the money runs out. Because in our pursuit of finding ourselves through money, you got to understand... The money's going to run out. And the boy is left with nothing. He's destitute. In fact, he takes a job feeding pigs, which would have been a disgrace for this young Jewish boy. So he's got nothing. He's rejected the father. He spent his entire inheritance now. And here's what the text says. When he came to his senses, I love that phrase. I'm praying that today for many of us is a coming to our senses day. I know I need that. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am, starving to death. He just realizes this is crazy. Sneaky greed snuck in. I rejected the father. I took the stuff. I used it all. And now I've got nothing left. And what he does is what maybe you've done before. I know I certainly have, especially as a husband. He prepares his I'm sorry speech. Come on, don't leave me hanging up here, guys. How many of you ever prepared an I'm sorry speech? And you thought about the flowers that you had to buy and the chocolates that needed to get purchased and what you, you the little humble pie and just, I'm, I'm sorry, baby. I'm sorry, baby. You know, just, just whatever, you, whatever you can do. Boys to men comes on, right? I'm down on bended knee. You know, just come back to me, right? <laughs> he prepares his I'm sorry speech and he actually rehearses it. It's in the text He says, I'm just going to go home, apologize to dad. And he says, instead of asking to be your son, I will assume the position of a servant. I'm not worth the family any longer. And I love what Jesus says happens in this story for this boy, this sneaky, greedy, younger son. So he got up, dust off some of the pig slop. He went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him was filled with compassion for him. And he ran to his son. He threw his arms around him and kissed him. And the crowd would have went wild when Jesus said that. Not just emotionally moved by the compassion of the father, but confused as to why the father would embrace his son after he's been so greedy and disrespectful. And the father is, is running. running something that the patriarch would not do in this culture. He got to hoist up his robe so he don't trip, right? He's running after his boy, throws his arms, kisses him, doesn't care that he smells like pigs. And the son tries to get his I'm sorry speech out of his mouth. The father cuts him off and starts talking. says, but the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened Calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. What a picture. This sneaky greed that has captured the son's heart. He's come back to the father now, even though he rejected relationship and only wanted his stuff. And the father's saying, We got to get a robe on this kid. Get the family robe. Let's put a ring on his finger, meaning let's welcome him back in. This is the family ring. And le- we're going to have. We're going to have a good meal. The Wagyu, the the calf we've been massaging and feeding, butcher it. I just love vegetarians. I'm so sorry. This is scripture though. Like they're putting steaks on the grill. They got ribs going. This is a good old barbecue. Like they're not holding back anything. He's celebrating because the son that was lost is found. He thought he was dead. He's alive. And even though he had sneaky greed in his heart, the father is drawing him near. Now, this is where we tend to stop the story. Even emotionally, this is where we're just like, man, we could sing a song about this. We could could live here. This is awesome. But guys, what did we say? This is a story of what? Two sons. sons. We've read about the sneaky greed of the younger son, and we love the way he's welcomed back home, but this is only the end of Act 1. There's another act to follow. So here's the second act about the older son. Meanwhile... The older son was in the field. And when he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. Remember, you've had that experience. You pull up to the party. You're like, oh, they got the, they got the music going. They already started. Like, what's going on back here? Right? He, he just, he hears it. And so he called one of the servants and it asked him, what, what is going on? I, I know there was a party today. I'm out here working. He says, your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed Bessie. She's gone. Like, the fan camp. We're celebrating. Why? Because he has him back safe and sound. And before we read the brother's reaction, understand a good older brother should have rejoiced at this news. A good older brother should have said, my, my brother's home. We thought he was dead. He, He's home? We got steaks on the grill? Are there any left? Is the prime rib? I, I don't even care. Like I just I want to get there. I want to celebrate. This is awesome. A good older brother. But oftentimes when greed sneaks into our hearts, it changes the way we see our family. It changes the way we see people. Because we're blinded by something that is so easy to sneak in and grip our hearts and look at the older brother's response. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. We're going to see why. So his father went out and pleaded with him. Are you noticing that both sons needed the father to go out to bring them in? The younger son received the father, embraced and kissed and brought him into the party. And now the father is looking at his older son, dealing with the same issue his younger son dealt with, this sneaky greed, and he goes out and he's pleading with him, come in, join the party, celebrate with us. But he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you, and I never disobeyed your orders, yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him? And this is what I'll call a tragic moment. It's a tragedy. That's the kind of play this is. this is. This is a tragedy. It's heartbreak. Because the older brother is so blinded by his greed and his desire for stuff that he cannot celebrate the success of his brother. Let me ask you, when you find out that the person got the promotion, even though you felt like you deserved it, are you able to celebrate with them? When you see someone else who you just know, they're not living for God, their morality is a wreck, they bought another car, are you able to celebrate with them? Because this older brother in this moment is using his morality as a bargaining chip with the father to say, I deserve more. Did you catch that? He says, I never broke any rules. I've worked hard for you. Let's translate that to today for us. I don't miss a Sunday. I pray. I tithe. I work hard. I serve others. I forgive people. And we still have to struggle, God. What is going on here? Could it be that you're Living for Jesus, which should be a response to his love for you, has become nothing more than a bargaining chip to offer him so that you might have just a little bit more. Because to be honest, I know I can find myself there, and I'm sure you can. And that's where the older brother is, because greed's sneaky. And we'll look at that and say, I'm not trying to be greedy, I'm just trying to survive. Is it so wrong to want to just make ends meet? Is it, we... I'm, I'm there with you. I get it. There's, there's kind of this, like, this gray line with today's message of what's wisdom and how do we plan and how do we budget and how do we live within means. And, and yet there's also this gray line of, is it really just because there's greed in our hearts? We're going to discover a truth that we need to understand that will expose if there's greed. And it's in the father's reply. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours but we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and found. He says, your brother was dead. you know that? We wrote him off. He's here. We have to celebrate. Why are you so so caught up in the abundance of things? And we get the two truths that you and I need to know today. If we are to not look to money as the source of our family drama, but to greed, here's how we cut down greed in our hearts. Let's go back to verse 31. The the father says, my son, the first thing he says, you are always with me. Do you understand if you have a relationship with the father, If you have been saved by the precious blood of Jesus Christ, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead now lives in you, and wherever you go, the presence of God goes with you. Which means if you are in a season right now where you're saying, I just don't have enough, guess what? There's another in the fire with you, and his name is Jesus. If you're in a season right now where you're saying, there's an overabundance, and yet greed has snuck in, and I can't seem to live radically generous, there's another in the fire, his name is Jesus, he's with you. You never go through life apart from the presence of almighty God. You are saved. You are his beloved son. I love the words that the father says over Jesus before he does anything in his ministry. He says, this is my son whom I love and I'm well pleased with you. Jesus hasn't healed anybody. He hasn't gone to the cross. He hasn't taught anything. And God's already declaring my love for you and your identity is fixed because I'm your father. That is a truth that when we see greed sneaking into our hearts and we're looking to stuff to solve a problem, we say, hold on, the father's with me. Father knows your property tax bill, people. (laughs) He knows your bills. He knows what you're facing. He's, he knows it. And he's there with you. And don't you believe that God has called you to this place so that you might be a light on Long Island for Jesus? Again, maybe he's calling you somewhere else, but if he's not calling you, don't think that going somewhere else is the answer to the problem. The problem's not money. The problem is when greed gets our heart. And he says, I'm with you. And notice number two, I love this. Everything I have is yours. Everything. There's this prophetic word in scripture that kind of paints this picture that says he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. It's just imagery to just remind us Our father is the star breather. Our our father is the one who creates. He's got everything in his hands and he looks at his children and says, I know I'm with you and I will supply all of your needs according to my riches and my glory. Trust me. Trust me. Don't get blinded by sneaky greed. The younger son in this story does not have a good older brother. He has an older brother that's more consumed with his desire for stuff than he is with his younger brother's life. He has a bad older brother. But you and I, we have a good older brother. Here's what the author of Hebrews says. So now Jesus and the ones he makes holy have the same father. That is why Jesus is not ashamed to call them his brothers and sisters. The, the older brother was angry that the younger brother received the robe, the ring, and the roast. Because when the father says, everything I have is yours, it's literal to that older brother. Remember how the story started. The father took his estate and divided it between them. At that point, the robe, the ring, and the roast all belong to the older brother. And the older brother is upset that his stuff is being used for someone he doesn't think should be getting it. He's an angry older brother, but we have a good older brother. On the cross, Jesus is stripped naked so that you and I might have a robe of righteousness. Jesus cries out, why have you forsaken me, God? He's cast out of the family so that you and I might get the family ring and be welcomed into the family of God. And Jesus goes hungry and thirsty so that you and I might feast on his goodness, the fattened calf. And one day, the wedding feast with the Lord. Yeah, let's celebrate all that God has for us as his children. Church, are you hearing this? Why would we adopt the same mindset of people who don't know God as Father and allow greed into our hearts? And as Long Islanders think that our only solution to the problem is moving when God's saying, I'm with you and everything I have is yours. Now, what Jesus says next in this story is really the most striking moment. Because there is no verse 33. It ends there. He drops the mic and walks off the field. We don't know if the older brother actually goes in with the father. We, we don't know. And I think maybe, and I'm, I'm just kind of supposing, that there's intentionality around that. Because now you and I find ourselves in this story. With the father saying, I'm with you and everything I have is yours Will you trust me? Or will you stay on the outside working really, really hard and using your morality to convince me why I should give you more instead of coming in with me, your Father? Here's the truth we need to know. It's the nearness of God that cuts down greed in our hearts. In week one we discovered it's the love of God that meets us when we feel unloved. Last week we discovered it's the power of God that meets us in the painful moments. Today we're discovering it's the presence of God. It's the truth that he is near to every one of us. It's what we sang this morning. Should we need reminding? We know he's with us. Another in the fire. God is with you. And God has a plan for you. So no the answer to your problem is not more money. The answer to our problem is Jesus. And what that means is that we trust him in the moments where greed wants to sneak in. Let me offer you, before we close and respond, maybe some instances where you might see greed sneaking into your, your family, really sneaking into your heart. For some of you, greed tends to sneak in when you feel the pressure of not enough. It's in those moments Where you sit down and you look at the income and you look at the expensive, and you're just saying, like, there's just not enough here. And it's in those moments that you're most susceptible to forgetting God is with you and everything He has is yours. For some of you, the the greed sneaks in because you've got a a saver in the home and you've got a spender in the home. And, and, And that's awesome. But greed starts to sneak in. You say, hey, you do know we have coffee in these cabinets, stop buying lattes. You call a family meeting, get everyone together, and just kind of work through this. You just ask, is there greed here? Am I forgetting that the Father's near and that everything he has is ours? And this is not a call to live without margin and budgets and and just live beyond your means. Absolutely not. Maybe for you, the the drama stems because there is. There's family stuff going on with money, and there's people, and there's outside sources, and it's siblings, and it's aunts and uncles and cousins, and it's all kind of wrapped up, and you're trying to figure out how do we solve this? If we just had more money, this wouldn't be an issue. No, no. Is there sneaky greed in the story? And start here. Don't use today's passage as a window by which you look at your family members. May it be a mirror that God reflects back to you. Just let them start there. I'll give it to you in this line. What if when we feel greedy, we say, the Father is In fact, I want to ask you to say that with me right now, and as we say it, I'm believing that the peace of the Father is going to begin to fill our hearts so that we can trust Him. Let's say this together. The Father is near. He's near to you. He hasn't forgotten you. He's the God who says, if I care for the lilies and the birds, I'll care for you. Next month, we're going to take the whole month to talk about one word, contentment, because Black Friday's coming and Cyber Monday, and shopping, and all of that, and talk about a time where sneaky greed can get in, and we can justify the upgrade, or dismiss the reason why we made the purchase, and as a church, I want us to have that culture of radical generosity, and it's rooted in this truth, the Father's near, everything I have is His. So we're going to respond this morning and sing a song called How I Need You, and it's about how we need Jesus in our lives. Now, There's a line in this song, the chorus says, Jesus, Jesus, oh how I need you. And what I want you to do when we get to that part of the song, just maybe one time, I want you to change the words from Jesus, Jesus, oh how I need you, to money, money, oh how I need you. Because it will sound ridiculous to you when you sing it. And none of us would ever sing a song like that. But unfortunately, many of us will live our lives exactly like that. And it will make it very real if you put the words money on the screen and start saying, oh, money, how I need you. If I just had more of you. That's exactly what we say when we think the answer to our problem is increase. So what if this morning we just declare, no, Jesus, I need you. I'm trusting you because you're with me. Would you stand up as I pray and our worship team will join me in. I want to pray that you and I would know the contentment that comes from knowing the Father I want to thank you because I know this is, this is one of those where it's like there's a lot of poking. There's a lot of stepping on toes. There's eggshells all over this place. You just can't see them. I've been tiptoeing around them all morning. But as, as your pastor, someone who I have the incredible responsibility and privilege to teach you God's word and his best for your life, I know that this is liberating truth, that this is freedom, that you don't have to be bound by this lie that culture embraces that more is the path to ease and peace and and margin, all that, that you would just know the Father is near. And I'm gonna pray with you that God meets every one of your needs. If you're searching for a job right now, I'm praying alongside you. God will provide that. You're searching for clarity on where to live? God will provide clarity on where to live. But may it not be fueled out of selfish ambition and sneaky greed. May it be fueled out of trust in the Father who is near to you. Let me pray over you. And if you'd like to, you can open your hands just to receive what God has. Father, I pray for every person in this space that they know your nearness more than ever. God, as we navigate such a hard thing, money, possessions, and stuff, and living, God, we know that you are close, that everything we have comes from you. So Lord, may our faith increase today. May we trust you. May we sing out, Jesus, how I need you. May we never, with our lips, but more so it's going to be with our hearts. Say, I just need a little more money. Then everything will be all right. God, may we trust in you in every season, in the moments where we have lack, in the moments where we have surplus. You are still the God who is with us. And we thank you for that truth. In Jesus' name, amen.